passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Are you kidding me? I don't think so! And their tag team partners, Ebor, Eric, the Viking! The Experience! The Superstar Shake-Up doesn't only affect Raw and SmackDown superstars, it also affects superstars from 205 Live, and as we see here, Corey, NXT! The reigning NXT Tag Team Champions, you may know them, under different circumstances, but this is Evor and Eric, the Viking experience, one of the most dominant tag teams on the planet Earth. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now. everybody and welcome to Rewind a Raw. It's John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting and the results are in. The two of us are still on the same show together. How are you, Wei? Oh, well, I mean, don't you have to wait for, for Tuesday? We don't know who's going to SmackDown yet. Well, I would say you and I are, well, I guess we, the way this superstar shakeup works is that you don't know who's going to the next show. You just don't know after tonight, uh... Where was I going with all of this? We're, we're not we're not adding anyone to our show, is what I'm saying. Got it. Okay, got it. But tomorrow, yeah, way who knows? We could uh, maybe we'll have somebody new joining us. Maybe Davey Portman will be here, and we'll have three people on this show. And maybe they'll change their show name, and then will Davey will be known as Dave R, something like what that. If, what if we change it to the British Wrestling Vikings? Yeah, experience. We could do that. Yeah, sure. How are you? Doing all right. Yeah, doing pretty good. Um, it was nice to have you over here during uh, over the weekend, John. Yeah, you and I had a rare hangout together. I don't know if you really call it a hangout. We were. I, I thought we, we shared some laughs. We put together uh, 72, uh, what would you call them? Gift packages for our patrons. Yeah, our ice cap care packages. Yeah, we kind of pack, you know, put these things together. Uh, right now, it's kind of been once a year, but this was the the first time you and I had a chance to to do it together. I actually have a follow up story on the whole thing, but 
on Saturday, I welcomed John to my house and we just like spent the whole day or actually not even that long. It took away like we were very efficient. It took like way three less hours, time. I would say roughly. Yeah, about three and a half hours. And and we just like, you know, put uh, all these packages together. I mean, you know, um, items that we I had a rhythm down. You were assembling the boxes and loading them. I was taping them. We uh, we put together all the pins as well. Uh, yeah. I had, I hated that little tape machine, but man, I really figured it out, and we were solid. We had a system, yeah, and it yeah. was efficient. Yeah, you know, pins, coasters, uh, um, you know, obviously the the, the audio cassette, um, stickers, and of course, John. I you know like I I I I had all these items, and then I just felt like hey. Like towards the end of the whole process of like gathering all these items, I was like, man, it's kind of missing that one thing. You know what would be really great to just add into this? Haichu. So uh, I went ahead and ordered from Amazon this like bulk, you know, these bulk packs of Haichu. And I thought it'd be. I was wondering where you got it from. Yeah. And I thought it'd be a nice little surprise to drop a couple pieces of Haichu into every one of these packets for all of our listeners. Because I'm sure there are people that are out there who have heard us talk about this delicious candy. And had no idea what it tasted like. So I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to throw a couple pieces of haichu in there. Seal those those things up. 70-something of these things. And then on, uh, I guess this was, uh, oh, Sunday. I went to the to the actual post office. And I was ready to send all these things out. So here I am in the post office. 70-something of these packets. I'm printing all these labels. Finding all the names. Putting all the labels on these packets. And then midway through the process, like they're already like, you know, scanning because they saw that I had a huge order. So they're already scanning and working their way through through with it all. And then um, the manager comes out and he's like, just hold on a second. Just, you know, just stop. Stop what you're doing right there. So he scans the package again and he says, do you have candy in those things? I Uh said, yes, because I declared it. I declared everything very honestly. Candy, cassette, lapel pin. Coaster, all you know, uh, sleeves, all this stuff. He asked me if I had candy, and I said, "Yeah." You cannot send candy to the United States. Oh my god! <sighs> we had spent like hours, John, like yeah. packing these things, tape, like it, everything. So he tells me I can't send candy to the U.S., and I, I had no clue. I thought like certainly certain things I, I, I feel like are, are prohibited. Um, certain types of foods, alcohol. Even coffee, I had thought about sending, and I, I, I knew not to do that. But candy, I thought it was innocent enough. You know, like we get on planes. What's the reasoning for it? We get Why? On, I think it, it, he just said this. This was like an agreement they had with the 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 postage service that they use, where you cannot send candy and and all this other stuff. So in my mind, I'm like in the middle of this thing. It's busy, and I'm like how, already mo- most of the way through all this. I thought I was just unload all this stuff and be done with it. But now this is insane. This is insane. This is why people lie. And are you to tell me that I, I, if I bought candy in the U.S. and I had it in my pockets, that I can't cross the border with that? No. What am I violating? Am it, I violating the same uh, agreement? Well, of course not. I think you can cross the border with candy fine. Like, I've, you know, that's not something that, that's ever asked of us to declare. But Not reselling any of this. But sending it through the mail, I guess somewhat, like, some for some reason, in this case, violates whatever FDA type of type of thing, and they would have to in, in, investigate it. So, in the end, um, here's, here's the here's the good good part, though. Like, like, it's not all bad, because international orders and also Canadian orders were fine, okay? We could send candy, we could send all the poisonous candy we want all around the world. 
all the high chew we want all around the world, but across the Canadian U.S. border, uh, we cannot. So I spent the better part of today uh, with my girlfriend, just like carving up all of our uh, oh. uh, American packets, taking out pieces of high chew to put into a packet, resealing them, and I'll be heading back to the post office tomorrow. So, oh my god, just a, just a word of warning: if you're expecting high chew. Unfortunately, if you're from the U.S., you are not going to get the sample these. You're going to have to find them on your own. Your tone was very deceiving because I thought that we were going to get – there was going to be a a, a rational solution by this this post office worker. No. No. Not when it comes to – What a terrible end result for you. Well, it wasn't all that bad. I mean we – like, you know, you and I are a great team, but I think my girlfriend and I are an even better team. No offense, John. Oh, we got we got our man. rhythm like really quickly. We were we were done really fast, so it wasn't that bad. It was just like a real hassle. I ended up having to pay eighty dollars more for like oh. a different type of postage anyway. So whatever, it's fine. No high chew. Who would have thought an innocent little delicious chewable candy would cause so much trouble? Yeah, don't ever be nice to people because the post office will just ruin it. Or if you are gonna send candy next, like had you lied, would you really have been caught? Were they going to well, inspect these packages? Who would have knows, been the problem? Dude, who knows what type of high-chew-smelling dogs that they might employ at the border? We would have been the Tommy Chong of of <laughs> wrestling podcasts for sending uh, illegal material in the mail by way of candy, chewable candy. Yeah, fuck. I don't know. Well, he. I mean, listen, in the end, it, like, it would have been worse had they like turned away the shipment. Like if because I did stay candy on the thing. So if anything, I'm whatever. I like this is a learning experience. I'm never sending high chew anywhere again. Well, who who are receiving these packages? What? Uh, just anybody at, at the ice cap uh, uh, patronage level. So the ice cap and espresso tier patrons. Uh, and it, we ask that uh, if you stay on, you stay on for four weeks or sorry, four months. I'm terrible at these plugs. You stay on for four months, and I'll put you on the list, and I'll send you one of these, including our exclusive audio cassette with a bonus show that we are not releasing anywhere else, as well as our rewind away lapel pins. Yes. Uh, I hope everyone enjoys these packages that we sent out and the extra work that way put into it. And Saturday started off with like the greatest contrast of where way and I are right now, because I'm up at about, I got up at about 7am on Saturday morning and I get a text message from Wei, and I respond to him, and I had been awake for about 20 minutes at this time. Wei was about 20 minutes from going to sleep. So you and I were literally like just going from one state of consciousness to the other at 7 a.m., being the overlap. Yeah, ever since I I actually kind of came back from Mania Week, I've just been been on like a – like it's gotten really bad where like I've I've been – sleeping like a a completely nocturnal schedule so hopefully gradually i will uh get back to the normal world but this is where you and i overlap john when we record these shows that is true saturday nearly killed me i i feel that my it's the first weekend i have come out of where i think i'm starting to feel a progressed age because on Saturday morning, as I said, I woke up at about 6.45, 7 in the morning. And I just went the entire day. And then I had that UFC card at the end of it. And I watched the UFC. And that went till about 1.15. And I started recording with Phil around 1.30, 1.45. We finished the show at 3 in the morning. 
I then uploaded the show and did all that stuff. By the time I went to sleep, I had been up for 21 straight hours, and I was just wrecked on Sunday. I was just so just defeated by Saturday, and I'm still feeling it today. Oh, man, that's awful. If I'd known your day was going to be that late, I probably wouldn't have asked you. Well, I didn't know it was going to be that late. I mean, the the silver lining was I saw two of the I, I one fight of which was one of the greatest fights I've ever seen in my life between Israel Adesanya and Calvin Gastelum. So by no means was I tired at all doing any of this stuff on Saturday, but I felt it on Sunday. Yeah, I could totally see it. Did you get some good rest on Sunday? Uh, I got a bit. I, I slept at. Yeah, I fell asleep around four and then I woke up at. Around 10. Mm-hmm. So that was a good six, six plus hours. But I, I'm still feeling it today. Just a sense of exhaustion. So I have, I've made the calculated decision that this Saturday, I am not spending seven hours watching this UFC card from Russia. That's, I'm very happy to hear that. I looked at this card today and I said, you know what? What? What 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 am I getting out of this? We're not doing a show after this this Russian card on Saturday morning. It is not a very deep card. It is it is a card that I, I cannot justify spending seven hours on when I do some of these UFC cards and I fall behind on so much other stuff that you and I have to watch and review. And I just I don't know when I have the time to catch up on all of it. I got to watch Bola at some point before. Uh, we record our show this week as well. I know. I'm impressed you made room for the clusterfuck. I I can't imagine. Oh my god! I will. I will. I have lots to talk about regarding that that clusterfuck. The clusterfuck I think was is made for. Have you watched it? Uh, I did. Yeah. I can't tell oh. you that I've sat. I sat through the entirety of the clusterfuck in real time though, because I feel like I have no. We're talking about Joey Janela Spring Break, which we'll we're going to talk about both both nights of on on tomorrow's uh actually Wednesday's double shot. Wednesday yeah, we're going to do it on Wednesday this week. But I, I I mean, if I remember last year watching at Spring Break 2, the clusterfuck, at like 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning, and just like having the feeling that this was never going to end. Like, I felt like I was like in prison with this endless battle royal. I think that's exactly what it's designed to make you feel. So I would say you were experiencing the clusterfuck in the ideal state that it was designed for someone to watch it in. Well, then it was a success or a failure, depending on your definition, and we will expand upon that on Wednesday. Uh, let's go through the shows real quickly this week, and then we will do our big draw way. Oh, that's right. Going to, what are you going to give out besides Haichu? Uh, not candy, but uh, I'll be giving <laughs> out a t-shirt, some stickers, and maybe even a post-wrestling coffee sleeve to a lucky winner. A sleeve, you say? Yes. Wow. Fantastic. Yes. Okay, well, uh, as Way mentioned, we're going to be doing the double shot on Wednesday. This is not a permanent move, but we're going to try this out and see what the reception is like. And then in a couple of weeks, we will make a decision one way or the other. But Rewind to SmackDown will be up Tuesday night after the second half of the Superstar Shakeup for Montreal. Wednesday's double shot. Uh, and doing it on Wednesdays also allows us to chat about the new Viceland series that a lot of people seem to be into the first episode on Randy Savage and Elizabeth. So this week, they are covering... The Montreal Screwjob. Between this and the clusterfuck, this show might kill me this week. I can't wait to learn more about the Montreal Screwjob. It's it's a subject that has gone very uh, uncovered uh, 
you know, I, I'm pr- sh- pretty sure a lot of people had to look up and realize what was this event in Montreal Ooh, that occurred. Oh, I yeah. it, never before heard stories about Montreal. Well, hey, all kidding aside, I actually I actually watched it today. There were some like interesting new tidbits of of information that I think maybe uh, it, it's worthwhile to to talk about for sure. Oh, I I think that uh, and the coincidence that the WWE is in Montreal this week. I was expecting we'd get. Uh, some uh, reference to the screw job one night or the other, but maybe not. Uh, so we'll chat you, about that you, on you Wednesday. You kind of had that when Natalia put on the sharpshooter. Yeah, you're right. Graves yeah. did make mention of it. So we're also going to chat about Joey Janela's spring break part one and two. Uh, no, it was part three, night one and two. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yes. All right. So wait, we, wait. we will have all of that. Coming. No, no, no. It was just it was just Joey Janela's spring break three, part one and part two. Okay. Correct. Yeah. I was right the first time. Uh, anything else you'll be discussing on the double shot? Uh, some BTE. And that's about it. All right. So that will be up for patrons on Wednesday night. On Thursday, we've got Up Next with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. Uh, sorry, Wednesday as well. The British Wrestling Experience is back with Martin Bushby, Benno, Jamesy is returning. And uh, if all goes according to plan, they will have a, a notable guest on the show on Wednesday. Uh that they will be recording on Tuesday and don't want me to announce until it's done. So there's Man, a tease for you. They're really on top of things with the, with the way they named their show. They right. were ahead of the curve. Yeah. Very clearly. So. so Thursday we've got up next and then the live cafe hangout will be at 3 p.m. Eastern time. You can tune in live if you're a double-double ice cap or espresso member. You can sit back with your high chew and give it a watch. We'll be joined by David Lagana from the NWA and Lightning One to chat about the upcoming Crockett Cup and maybe some some fun stories involving talent being renamed uh, that I'm sure Mr. Lagana has plenty of. So uh, we got to uh, meet up with him over WrestleMania weekend. So we're just going to continue that chat that we had in New York and extend it to all of you. So you can tune into that on Thursday. And then Friday, Rewind Away is back. It is the choice of one Bruce Lord, as we're going to chat about Bola from last September, night three, which features the finals. Uh, we will go through that entire night uh, coming up for patrons on Friday. Awesome. Uh, a little bit of a um, programming update. Uh, uh, the Rocky Maivia picture show for this month will be delayed a week. Nate's uh, had uh, some issues with a sub- uh, guest this week, so he's going to try to record later on this week. So you'll be getting that show next Saturday instead of this Saturday. All right, let's get into the draw. All right. Oops, I should have brought it up. Um, okay. Scanning, scanning, scanning. Stop. Yeah, you're going to have to keep going. Uh, sorry. I okay, I'm still lo- scanning. This is uh, this is more dramatic than the superstar reveal on Monday night, where magically their music is queued up. They know where to be. Actually, I have I have some uh, I have some thoughts on the the reveal of some of these performers on Monday night. Uh, are we still scanning? No, we're good. We're good. Anytime. Okay. Uh, stop. All right. Congratulations to. Oh, I love this name. Adam McIntosh. Adam McIntosh from Edinburgh. Congratulations to you. You win a post-wrestling t-shirt, some stickers, and a signed postcard, as well as a coffee sleeve. So, congrats They would not change his name if if he got called up to the main roster. Sure about that? Adam McIntosh. I think he'd be Mac. Mac. Yeah. 
the Mac. Uh, we already have one of those. Okay, congratulations, Adam McIntosh. Uh, please uh, contact me via Patreon. I'll get you hooked up. All right. There's a lot to go through on Raw, so let's uh, kind of zip through some of this news. Um, so, do you follow Ronda Rousey on Instagram? I think so, yeah. I, I did not see uh, whatever you're about to talk about, though. I didn't, so please let me know. She put out a photo today uh, with her husband, Travis Brown. The two are kissing. And the text just simply says, hashtag, your favorite way, hashtag, impregnation vacation. That's a weird hashtag. So, um, okay. Thanks. A source close to ESPN's Ramona Shelburne, who is uh, someone that uh, certainly has a relationship with Ronda Rousey, uh, reporting that Ronda Rousey is, in fact, taking a hiatus from WWE in order to start a family. So it looks like uh, Dave yeah. Meltzer's report, uh, very accurate from earlier this year, and probably, I would assume, wait, no timetable on a return for Ronda Rousey. It seems like this is uh, an indefinite leave for Rousey, who's under contract for two more years. Sure, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I would say the hashtag really kind of confirms it. It's about as as much of a confirmation via hashtag as I think you could possibly have. Hashtag impregnation vacation. So they're going to go somewhere to do it, to try to have kids. So congratulations to, well, I mean, I guess good luck, first of all. But Yeah, uh, good luck. Yeah, uh, hope. I mean, I'm happy that they're they're going through with it and, and, you know, even choosing to put family and personal kind of, uh, you know, aspirations ahead of career and professional goals. I, I, I'm happy to see that. Would you ever announce something like that? I don't think so. Uh, I wouldn't do it through a, via selfie. Or hashtag. Or a hashtag. Would you come up with something? Uh... No. I wouldn't, but at the same time, like, maybe this is her way of just telling people to stop bugging her about coming back and, you know, doing anything else besides this. Basically telling people to leave me alone, I suppose. Could you could you imagine any uh, kind of one-off appearances? I'm mainly looking at when they debut on Fox just to have her make an appearance. Or do you think she is gone and we are not going to hear from this woman? She is going to be off on her... Uh, impregnation for Travis Brown's uh, yeah on their land and just disconnected from the world I mean I could see them being completely private but I can also see you know come Wrestlemania time maybe her just stepping in um, because she has just such a friendly association with the WWE uh, I'm sure the doors open for her whenever she wants to come and say hi to the audience I, I think that they would make a call around the time they go on Fox like I think they're going to want everything available to them and Ronda Rousey is a you know, when they when Fox Sports made the big pitch and they went into that meeting room, it was like a big picture of Ronda that they had there as they made their pitch to WWE. So that's yeah. and certainly you have the history of Ronda Rousey, uh, you know, when Fox had the UFC deal as well. Um, and I just think it's going to be they they're going to want to have every available star during that introductory period on Fox that. That to me would be maybe the first time they make the call to try and get her to mm. just to make an appearance, like not wrestling, of course. Now that I think we can, you know, safely say that, hey, like the Ronda one year run, the Ronda Rousey experiment is over. I feel like we can assess it and and say like, wow, they really like maximize their value with Ronda and the year that they had with her, you know, between I would say evolution being uh, like the pay-per-view being uh, her being a big reason for it. Obviously, main eventing WrestleMania to, to even the Fox deal. Uh, with her being a big part of that so it, it's it was a very productive relationship i i 
I think that for someone coming in with, with that experience level, what you got out of them out of that year, I think even the most optimistic person, A, would not have assumed you would have seen the level of matches she had on pay-per-view, which were not every single one, but I th- the vast majority of them were very strong. And the amount of matches that she did, I mean, she was there most weeks on Raw and she did way more matches than I expected she would do. Like they crammed a lot into that year. And I, I feel that a year after, you know, we talked about at the beginning about wanting to make her still feel special. I think they did a pretty good job of that over the year. I think so too. I think so too. I think all of her matches, I, I, and again, I feel like it's her in-ring style that really kind of helps too. Like they always manage to make uh, most of her main events feel somewhat special. Um, with a certain type of energy. Mm. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't feel like she was really overexposed at any point. So the one thing that I guess we are missing was that, you know, four horse women versus four horse women thing that has been talked about. And in the end, maybe it just wouldn't have fit into any schedule. And, and maybe Marina and Jessamine just aren't really ready for it yet. And storyline wise, I just don't think it ever, there was the right time when you had Becky and Charlotte feuding and, just to put them together, I think it was just, it would have been doing it for the sake of doing it. And mm-hmm. I think it's something on the back burner that, I mean, maybe they will never get a chance to do that. But it just felt, especially once Becky really took off uh, last fall, that it just became very difficult to be able to pull that off for any storyline reason. Like the only reason to do it would be, well, time's not on our side. And this is something that it was teased during the first May Young Classic, but it just didn't seem to be in the plans on the main roster even though there were all the teases for it with the, you know, the four fingers and, you know, they were kind of dropping their own hints on TV about it. Yeah. Maybe in, you know, maybe several years down the road. So what else do we have here on this week's being the elite? They announced that they have signed Shima to a full-time deal. And of course he's going to be working the double or nothing event next month uh, in Las Vegas in a six man tag against SCU. I mean, I find that really interesting. What, what, you know, what does this mean for her, for his OWE obligations? Um, and what exactly does a full-time deal with AEW entail? Yeah. And what kind of arrangement they have with OWE, which very much could have a, a business relationship with AEW. I, I could definitely see that being, um, you know, one of their affiliate groups that they're working with. Oh, certainly. Yeah. So I, I certainly, would not be surprised at all if OWE is figured into this deal as well. Uh, there was uh, an announcement over the weekend that uh, Inside the Ropes, which is uh, a group over in the UK that does uh, a lot of these Q&A shows, uh, they're doing these three big events with The Undertaker at the end of this month. And their host and the event organizer, Kenny McIntosh, had to announce that The Undertaker has had to change the plans for these events. They were originally to feature meet and greets as well as a Q&A show. And of course, it is not cheap to book The Undertaker. He's supposed to do shows uh, April 29th in Manchester, April 30th in London, and May 1st in Glasgow, Scotland. So Kenny McIntosh announced that The Undertaker is still coming for these shows, but he can no longer participate in the Q&A. He can only do the meet and greets, and Mick Foley is being flown over to take part in the Q&As and talk about matches that The Undertaker was in and sharing his perspective. I'm just looking at this, and 
like obviously this is out of the hands of the promoters who I feel terrible for that they're yeah. in this position that they have to deal with. I just can't under like listen, we we don't know what the exact reason for this is, but I don't think it's hard to imagine that this is probably not an Undertaker call. It is more so whatever is going on with WWE. And to me, it's like whatever deal you broker on your own, that's fine. But you do have commitments that you have made. There are people that have paid for these. These are not Q&As that are being filmed. They are not being live streamed anywhere. They're live events. So why would it be such a stumbling block to just allow this guy to do these these prior commitments? So what? They're Q&A shows. I just I, I feel that this is just really unfortunate for the promoters involved who just seem to be collateral damage and the fans that spent a lot of money on these shows. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of saw something similar happen recently with Bruce Pritchard and him being able to maintain all of his dates. Yeah. He's able to do, go do all his shows. It's not like he's only going over, like he just went to Australia. He's going to do Starcast, and he's not doing just meet and greets. He's doing his shows. He's doing his podcast. I I understand there's a difference between The Undertaker and Bruce Pritchard, but it's like, I, I don't understand why this would be such a major deal that he would have to not participate in this Q&A. And to me, it's like if I would if I would be a promoter that was organizing something with The Undertaker, I'd be very leery because who's to say that his next domestic sign? He, he was just announced for the Niagara Falls Comic Convention. I mean, who's to say they're going to put their foot down about uh, just autograph signings? Uh, it's just to me, it, there's way too much money involved to to utilize this guy and worry about something like this happening when once tickets go on sale it would totally scare me off mm-hmm. yeah i'm in the end though it's you know the wwe versus this independent q a show um so i i don't think they're really losing much sleep over over this uh what else do we have here um oh kurt angle did this q a on his facebook page and he talked about his health over the last year, uh, last two years, really. He feels that because he wasn't that active since coming back to the WWE, that it sped up his retirement because his body just started to break down and become arthritic because with him not being so active, he was becoming less flexible. He was that much sore after matches that he did have. And the result is, you know, the the body of work he's been putting out of late and he he also added that uh, when he was asked, did did he feel that he should have beat Baron Corbin? Uh, he gave a very non-political answer because he very easily could have just defended the booking decision that, you know, the guy's staying. And instead he said, honestly, my WrestleMania 35 match, I would have liked to have gone out with a win, but I understand why it didn't occur. Many people believe that I should have had a different opponent. Maybe, maybe not. But my argument as to why it should have been Corbin is pretty strong. As a Hall of Famer and legend in WWE, I came to my final match last Sunday. It was my retirement match. As a legend or Hall of Famer, whatever you want to call me, my job is to leave the WWE by doing the honors for a younger talent. I did that. I would have loved to have won, but I don't think I would have properly played my role if I did. Which I don't disagree with that, with that assessment, but it's interesting that he included the fact that he did feel he should have won going out of this. And also listed who the top three opponents that he would have liked to have had for his farewell match. Corbin was not included in that top three. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, still uh, very much uh, deep in, into the WWE regime right now. I feel like uh, 
we're getting a very maybe um I don't know subdued uh, reaction to to his retirement from from Kurt Angle. I'm I'm curious to hear what his uh, response will be maybe three years from now if he's you know uh, how he how he feels about this entire experience. But I I find most interesting about that whole thing just the the idea that you know um, not wrestling for a, a year led to maybe his current um, physical state. Um, you know, who's to say like who's in the right or wrong when it comes to that? You know, in the end, if the WWE doesn't really have a place for you or or doesn't really see you as a full time active performer, it, there's there's nothing that says hey we should like you know let this guy wrestle so he doesn't get arthritic. I th- if anything, I think that's a sign that you know maybe it's time to actually retire. But um, um, it's you know, it's 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 maybe a little bit of a shame that we didn't get Kurt Angle you know um at his full potential um at some during this run, um, I think. You know, it's just reality right now. We nothing we can do about it. It's also like you you've never heard of Kurt Angle saying, you know, I feel great. Like he's always had so many issues he's dealt with. I think a lot of it is, you know, wear and tear catching up to him. I mean, he's 50 now. Um, mm. there, there's going to be a certain uh, price you are maybe putting off at a younger age that ultimately you're just pushing until another day when you are going to have to face all of that. And I, I think that that probably goes into it too. But you, you do hear that from wrestlers sometimes that when they are taking time off or they're injured, it's like when you're not bumping, that is kind of where you do build up like a lot of um, pain because your body is so used to it that it's almost when you when you stop doing that, it's um, kind of this this strange phase that your body does go through. I have heard that before, but uh, so that was the latest on Kurt Angle. And just a quick note, a uh, friend of the show, Pat LaProd did an interview with Sami Zayn ahead of uh, Monday's Raw. And in the story, it noted that uh, before he went for his shoulder surgeries last year, he did sign a three-year contract with WWE, an extension. And if you get a chance to read this interview, I definitely recommend it. It's linked uh, in the update on Monday where he talks about his thoughts on this new heel character and I think you can see he's really put a ton of thought into it. There's a lot of kind of his own thoughts and motivations into this character and not wanting to go just a traditional heel route that might get an easy response one night, but he doesn't want to t- take that easy path. And it was very funny tonight because in the interview, he mentions it would be very easy for me to go uh, and insult the Montreal Canadiens for not making the playoffs, but I don't want to do that. And tonight, I mean, that line was literally used by Elias, and you contrast that to Sami Zayn, who just seems like I, I think that he's really invested in this in this current run that he's just started. Absolutely, he's always seemed somebody. He seemed like somebody who's who's you know really kind of prides himself on his creativity. Um, I think Elias is creative too, um, but I, uh, he's also kind of made a name on like doing the easy, you know, cheap heel heat type of thing. And I can't necessarily say I didn't like it, but I, there's room for there's room for both as well. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one size fits all. I, I think that, you know, just um, it really works for Elias. And I think Zane's character two weeks in, it's working as well, too. So it doesn't have to be one or the other. Mm. All right. Well, let's move on to Raw. You can get all the latest news up at postwrestling.com. And 
Uh, Monday's Raw took place from Montreal, Quebec at the Bell Center. And during the day, we had heard that there were a number of uh, travel issues involving not just talent, but also uh, personnel. And I I didn't hear specifics on who this uh, specifically affected, but there were tons of problems uh, getting out of Newark uh, to try and get over to uh, Montreal and just uh, a lot of flight delays. It sounds like that probably um, probably just traveling with a lot of candy. This roster. That could have been it too. I mean, the Haichu epidemic may have hit the, the roster as well. So I don't want to rule that out as well. Yeah. I wonder if there's the same restrictions of sending candy into Canada. Or, vi- or is it just vice versa? I, I really don't know. I'm not sure. Well, the show started off with Stephanie McMahon coming out. And she was booed soundly by this crowd in Montreal. And she gave this huge introduction for the best in the world. Shane McMahon and the crowd goes nuts as he comes out. They hate Shane. And unfortunately, Greg Hamilton was not drafted to raw because Mike Rome had to do the introduction bit. And all due respect to Mike Rome, he was no Greg Hamilton here. I thought it sounded pretty good, but you're right. Not as good as Greg Hamilton. How about Shane though? Dude, Shane is really, uh, he was really into this heel character on this show. I, I thought he was, uh, I, I quite enjoyed him in this opening segment. Well, how's his French? Oh, well, we'll get to that, yes. So uh, he actually asked Mike Rome to introduce him in French, and it was just this awkward pause where they just kind of looked at each other and then just moved on. There was no even attempt by Mike Rome. It seemed like Shane was trying to do this on the, on the fly. There was an enormous CM Punk chant, and I thought Stephanie was probably just like salivating at the opportunity to get a line in because she was... She seems to be much more quicker than Shane when it comes to responding to these chants, but no acknowledgement of them. Uh, Shane speaks in French and everyone boos him. Like he just like butchers this uh, best in the world that he is trying to uh, utter to this French crowd. (laughs) He says he's using Parisian French and not this dirty dialect of French that these Quebecers use. I love it. It's very, very good. And they explain that every superstar is eligible to be shaken up. And then Shane wants to go back in time to the build-up to WrestleMania. And he shows a shot of him grabbing George Mazanin, who he said was gooey. And uh, an image of his shitty inverted triangle, which was worse than his French. And then out of nowhere, the Miz jumps him from behind. He attacks Shane. He comes out of the crowd. Crowd goes nuts. And... Then Miz gets sent into the post, and somewhere in all of this, he gets cut on the head, and he's got, like, blood coming down the side of his head. Shane, uh, his punches somehow got over the border, even though, well, I, I'm not surprised they got mm-hmm. over the border. They These are not deadly in the least, and can definitely not be classified as weapons. Uh, Miz came back with these chair shots and stood tall with his head all cut open, and Miz was the first SmackDown performer that is moving to Raw, and this kind of... um ended the the feud you know Shane got the win at Wrestlemania it was like a finish that seemed designed for Miz to get something and this looked to be the end of the feud this was Miz getting some bit of retribution and I imagine that's it is that how you kind of read it because I just I looked at it almost as a continuation how's it going to continue I don't know if Shane I mean I don't know I would expect Shane to have some involvement on Raw but 
Um, this did so not kind of just defeats the whole purpose of this this brand split. If you're going to just do that, I like you sure. could. Yeah, but. it's possible. I'm just saying, like, this did not feel like a c- conclusive segment at all. Oh, right. I don't think it was conclusive. I think it was just the most you were going to get for for Miz to just have one segment where he kind of gets one over on Shane. But yeah, I mean, I would say that the then the finish of that f- program has been completely weird. You know, why would Miz lose that match at WrestleMania if you weren't going to build up to another rematch? Now, what you could do is still finish off these programs at the next pay per view, and then the brand sp- the the switches take effect. Right afterwards, that I believe yeah. they've done in the past. They so did you that. Could do that. They did this last year, and it was incredibly awkward for an entire month because you yeah. had a pay per view where guys couldn't really, you know, build programs with other people because they were stuck on the other show. Um, I I would hope that they would kind of, you know, um, be 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 cautious of that this year. Um, it's also difficult because, you know, initially the date that was going around for the Saudi Arabia show was May the third, which is in a couple of weeks. That's obviously not happening. So um, the next pay-per-view is, I think it's May 19th, and it's Money in the Bank, which is not the easiest show to wrap up a lot of feuds because you need guys in those ladder matches and women as well. So I I really hope they're not going another month where we're just going to see the brand split not exist and we're just going to have all these um, programs from WrestleMania that weren't finished up. I almost feel like a hard stop might not be the worst idea. Who knows at this point, but you know, if this is indeed like sort of the, the wrap up of, of the Shane Miz program, I, I would say, you know, I thought the WrestleMania match exceeded my personal expectations, but I feel like it's still like so much so that I would say that I think it still had some legs. And if this was it, I would say maybe it was, it would be a bit of a disappointing end. The Miz moving back and forth between Raw and SmackDown. I feel like he's moved like, Every year, hasn't he, he joked about that that he's always moved. I think, yeah, because like he started on SmackDown, obviously the, the the whole talking Smack thing with Brian, and then spent a year on Raw, and then moved back to SmackDown. Now he's oh, back and to even Raw. going further back, like when he was on ECW, and then he moved to Raw. Like he yeah. is, he has bounced all over in both versions of the brand split. I mean, I really don't kind of understand why he happens to be like an odd, like the name that 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 they feel it needs to move every year, but. I, is he going to do better on Raw? I mean, I don't think so. I think it'll be a bit of a lateral shift for him. Yeah. I mean, even with uh, Miz and Mrs. following SmackDown, I mean, maybe that may, right. makes no difference having him on SmackDown or Raw. You know what they could do? They could also do some kind of blow-off on Tuesday on SmackDown, like his his final appearance. You could yeah. Is he allowed? match on TV. I would imagine that the... I mean, they can do whatever the hell they want. There's no, there's clearly no rules for any of this stuff. True. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure you could see some of the talent. They get one more appearance on SmackDown tomorrow night if they're already in town. Why not? That gash looked really nasty, and I try, I tried to like look for the point where, where he might have had, um, got it, but I couldn't really tell. Yeah, I mean, watching it, I would regularly just assume, oh, maybe it was the post. Maybe he went into it, knowing Shane's recklessness with those punches. It's like who knows. Mm. maybe maybe he's got like a concern now because he hears so much shit about them he just is gonna lay them in um yeah that's kind of one way sure and they still look bad ricochet was out next this was the best ricochet comes out and they state does this mean ricochet is now on raw and i feel they were legitimately asking this question so someone could get in their ear and inform them because then Alistair Black comes out 
And I'm thinking, man, not only has Raw got Aleister Black, they also got his 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 creaking entrance. Sure. Yeah. I was hoping that would maybe stay somewhere else. So they ask, does this mean they are both on Raw? And we never got an answer to this. So maybe they're on Raw, but they might be on SmackDown tomorrow night. There was no clear-cut answer regarding the status of Ricochet and Aleister Black. Did they come out with a Raw gra- uh, lower third? Well, everyone did, I think. But they don't always, because in previous weeks, like they did have NXT lower thirds, a lot of them. So, I I mean, it, it would suggest to me that this was an official move to Raw. Um, I you know, especially because uh, Zelina Vega is is also on Raw now. Um, although that's obviously no guarantee, but I, 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 it, See, I guess they were on both brands. So this doesn't yeah. mean that they couldn't necessarily just be earmarked on SmackDown still tomorrow night. And that's their move. It's true. So yeah. we'll find out Tuesday night, the, the confusing status of Ricochet and Aleister Black. I, I had been told when, when they were first called up, I had been told like they're, they're going to bounce around everywhere until the superstar shakeup. And then they'd be put on one brand. Mm-hmm. Again, we won't know till tomorrow night. Uh, speaking of which, if you're in Canada, SmackDown tomorrow night is not going to be airing on Sportsnet 360. It will be airing on OLN and the Sportsnet Now app due to the NHL playoffs. So there's your uh, your heads up if you're in Canada. This Sunday, the WWE Network will be airing. Are you ready for this way? Yeah. The Shield's final chapter. I feel this has been a really long book. And a very long goodbye for The Shield. If we go back to Fastlane, that was marketed as The Shield's last ride. Then we had (laughs) his first blow-off when Drew McIntyre murdered him. He came back from that one. Then he was murdered by Bobby Lashley. Then he had his send-off last week at the Barclays Center after Raw went off the air. And... This Sunday, well, he was actually at Montreal tonight and came out after the show to, of course, say goodbye. This Sunday is his final chapter, and he is advertised for the next two Mondays to appear at the building where Raw is taking place from. So I am, I am waiting for the ultimate WWE Network special of uh, the Shields breakup sex that will come maybe in two more weeks. <laughs> there, like, oh how many God. more finals can we do? With Dean Ambrose. I mean, this is a this is a sponge with, with no more water left in it. After we have said you, our goodbyes. Yeah, I mean, after you, you know, kind of like build your, your final fisting together, um, it just starts to kind of lose its appeal the more you just continue with it. But whatever, like they're they're going to, to, to you know, just uh, uh, milk this thing for all it's worth. Um, a bad choice of words. But um they're going to do a, his goodbye on Raw, which they've done. They're going to do his goodbye in every single town that he's going to be, appear in, his goodbye on pay-per-view, and his goodbye on the network. So you're, <laughs> He's got to say bye to every medium. Uh, yeah, he's going to show up on, on the WWE app. What about YouTube? What about his YouTube audience? You're going to get one of those too. Okay, well, yeah. uh, that's on Sunday. So it, it looks like it's just going to be a, a live house show feed from the show in Moline, Illinois. And they also announced Finn Balor defending his Intercontinental title. So that's Sunday night, 9.30 p.m. So probably just the final two matches or so from the house show. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Does, does this interest you? Uh, not really. No. Um, it'll kind of depend what I'm doing on Sunday night. Um, I probably am not going to go out of my way to watch this. No, me neither. But it'll depend on my schedule. So... 
Um, we already had Ricochet and Black come out. They're teaming with Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins against the Revival. And the music plays. And out come the War Raiders. And I'm like half listening to Michael Cole, half not. And there are there are words coming out of his mouth that are just not computing with me. I said, what, what did he just call these guys? <laughs> and it looked like they had quite the... It looks like the announcers had their own match, and that was with Ivar's name because they called him every possibility: uh, Ivar, Ebor, Ibor, Ivar. Like I feel they used. I, I had no idea what the hell Hanson's name was for this entire match. Um, it is Ivar, and Roe is now Eric, and the War Raiders are no more. Enter the Viking Experience, and. You may as well have named them Shitstain because that was the reaction on Twitter for the next two and a half hours. People hated this name. Hated this name. Yeah. I I I when when this happened, like I knew the music, I knew the entrance, and then I saw on the Titantron in like the shittiest font the Viking experience. And I just thought Okay, like they're just gonna kind of like maybe put their nicknames on the Titantron. I mean, it's kind of corny, like the Viking experience. That's a really corny little thing to put on the Titantron. And then they announced them as the Viking experience, and I thought, no, no way. Like, on top of that, changing Hanson and Roe to Ivar and Eric, this by the end was like the most like Vince McMahon thing. That's ever happened. Like, it was the double name change that I think people got. Oh, it was a um, triple name change. What do you mean? All three of them had, had their names changed. I, I think, first of all, it's just the outrage to me is completely justified. It's a name change coming after a name change that, that already took place back in NXT from War Machine to the War Raiders. And then like two perfectly fine first names in Hanton and Rowe that these two are obviously very accustomed to, that the NXT audience is completely accustomed to, that were changed in exchange for Eric and Ivar? What the... Where, where, where do you get How Ivar? do you come up with two names so different than those two? Like, it's... To me, here's my bigger issue. Like, I don't get too bent out of shape over these names because I feel within a couple weeks, you just get used to them and they're not... They're not career death. I think that you can get upset about the names, but ultimately it's not my biggest concern. But here's the issue. When they sign these people and like, why are these names coming now and not their first day in NXT? Like, why is it so hard to just get everyone on the same page? They're present them consistently because when you do these radical name changes from one to the other, it just screams that these are just, these are just branding efforts and they just feel so silly that what have you done for the, the last year and you're just going to snap your fingers and do such a radical name change? Like, Can we not just go with one name from day one? If you didn't want the word war in their name, cool. Why was it okay a year ago when they came to NXT? Um, it really seems to suggest to me that there are two different branches taking care of, of these characters and, and the transition 
I mean, this also coming after the War the War Raiders won their match at, at NXT Takeover. They're still the current NXT Tag Team Champions. Really, also, yeah, it, it makes me think that this was not known. Yeah, uh, it all seems WrestleMania. It all seems to suggest that there's really the, that perhaps there was a, a not any, if if at all, any forewarning that the, these guys were going to be called up. If you remember, not at, even Takeover way. I mean, yeah. the, they had television tapings last week as well. Sure, but I mean, if you remember, even at Takeover, like we knew Black and Ricochet were going to go up because they, I mean, they were already up in the main roster, had their big goodbye. The War Raiders were were the team that were sticking around. Um, Instead, it's it appears that they were also called up, and on top of that, had this name change. So I think if anything, it exposes perhaps the lack of communication between the two brands, and the fact that they are going to have to do this double duty for now since they still have the tag titles. And what are you going to have them as one name on one brand, and they either have to go back to NXT under this new moniker, where yeah, I think that's awkward, or you're going to be two different names for the next month or so. I just think it's very. It was just very clumsy, and I just wish that they would just come to an agreement on what you're going to market a team as once you sign them. Like, this is the same company. This is WWE. It'll be interesting to see, like, um, if if they edit the commentary at all to say <laughs> – to have Moro say the Viking experience if they've already <laughs> taped these matches with War, War Raiders. Um, Hanson and Rowe. Yeah, that, you know, it's a great point if they are going to be – serious about this this whole rebranding like if they taped anything at the tapings of dubbing over or redoing it they're yeah they very well could if the i mean if if it is indeed because they don't want to call um like they don't vince doesn't want war being chanted at their shows i mean maybe he knows his advertisers better than me or maybe he knows his i don't know but i just can't see that being that big of a deal when the biggest movie franchise of all time has war in the title and uh fuck like it's just is war that i, I have no deal? idea if if that's the reason i mean it sounds like something that you could totally buy um who knows it may have just been he just doesn't like the name even if it, it be something so innocuous fine. even if it is i just feel like the viking experience is is like at the very bottom of suggestions if somebody suggested it i would consider reconsider their employment status within the company it sounds like an amusement park ride and automatically to me, it just it does not give these guys a good head start on the main roster. What if they rebranded themselves VX? Sure. Yeah. Um, Evar and Eric. Yeah. VX. Okay. Sure. Here's the test. Do, uh, do Jim Ross's call of Steve Austin winning the WWF title at WrestleMania 14 using the the name you're imagining? Picture him yelling Evar repeatedly. Yeah, that'll be tough. You know, that'll be a tough one. But good luck to these guys. I mean, as they always say, you know, it's like uh, you take what you, you have and you make it work. So listen, if these guys get over, like the name is to me, it's in three weeks. No one's going to be complaining about this name. It's like if these guys blow it on the main roster, that's going to be their indictment. And if they get over, they get over. I I don't think like you got to come up with something really, really awful that you're not even going to get out of the gates. This is pretty uh, close. Name. This is pretty close. The Viking. It's experience. close, but I also watch like Dolph Ziggler last as long as he had. No, with, like, I think that, that name's ridiculous hold, name. I dude. think that name's held him back. I think if mankind were to be called Mason the Mutilator, I think that would have held him back. I think if. Chili McFreeze were, 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 was an actual thing. I don't think we would have had Steve Austin. 
That one would have been horrendous. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So the eight man begins. Everyone's just trying to figure out who they're watching. Um, they got the advantage on Hawkins earlier. Then there was a hot tag to Ryder who came in with Dawson. Drop kicked Wilder off the edge of the apron and then a leg drop off the turnbuckle. Uh, Black came off the apron with double knees followed by Ricochet kicking off into a moonsault to the floor. And then Ivar closed. It's going to take me a long time to not sound sarcastic when I say that man's name. Ivar clotheslines Hawkins and then the, they deliver a hip toss over the top, uh, sending Hawkins onto Black and Ricochet on the floor. There's the knee by by Eric, and then the fallout is hit. 13 minutes, 16 seconds. Uh, the audience seemed to get into them, especially at the finish, although they are being positioned as heels here. So, I mean, they get the win, and they pin the tag champions. So. I didn't even realize that they were heels in this match. That, well, that, they were paired with the Revival. Yeah, yeah. that they also. They were totally treated like baby faces and put in a baby face spot as the, as the call-up. So I don't know what you were necessarily expecting reaction-wise, but... Uh, and these guys are great baby faces. So uh, I don't, they pin the tag champion, so yeah. they're at least coming in with uh, some some momentum. Yeah, whatever. You know, I just I I, I wish I I could have followed Triple H all day when he got this news that hey, we're gonna call up your tag team champions and we're gonna rename them um, to the Viking Experience. He's either at this point about to burst another blood vessel or he's just laughing at all of this. He looks the best out of everybody on this show coming out of this Triple H. Why? Because he had nothing. He wasn't on it. No, just because he like it's it's I think it furthers the narrative that Vince is taking all of his toys and just ruining them. Michael Cole said that the draft also affects 205 Live as they threw to a video feature and Cedric Alexander is coming to Raw. Well, good for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm glad that certain names are being called up from 205 Live where somebody like Cedric, I think at this point, again, like I would say that maybe a year ago, he really had nothing more to gain. Um, it remains to be seen how he'll be used on Raw. I think it'll be tough. You know, I feel like SmackDown is almost always a better place for somebody undersized like him. Um, I think Ali's doing great. Now, do I see Cedric being in the mix with like the likes of like, you know, Braun Strowman? And Lars Sullivan, I unless it's just a squash match, I I mean, I can't see him getting that much. Yeah, I think Mustafa Ali has opened the door that that I think people are at least hopeful that a two oh five live import can have some kind of sustained uh push. But we'll see with Cedric Alexander. It yeah, he'll he'll be a tough one to to see, and you'll know it pretty quickly of how he's positioned on the show. Finn Balor came out. And was awaiting his opponent, and out came Andrade with Zelina Vega. And Vega cut a promo that Andrade has done extraordinary things himself. He is also a multilinguist. And then, yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was chanting there. holy shit at this fact. <laughs> I was multilinguist on Raw. I was sitting there and I was just waiting. First of all, I was pleasantly surprised that Zelina Vega was a part of this package because I thought there was going to be a good chance that she was going to be separated from Andrade. Oh, that would have been terrible. Yeah, but then this like (laughs) multilinguist Andrade's Almas. I'm I I was waiting with bated breath to see what they were going to do here. So he uh, first Zelina Vega speaks in French and then hands the microphone over. And he just says, merci, and everyone cheers. He knows a word in French. Wow. 
And then he just goes into Spanish and cuts his big promo and got a lot of heat. And this is a great example that I I think that uh, like the audience reacted, not knowing what he was saying, and it was very effective. I guess um, he got booed. I don't know if I would call it effective. I mean, what are you talking about? They got they they got the reaction they wanted. But I would say by the end of it, I didn't necessarily look at Andrade as any type of serious competitor. If anything, I looked him at as more of a comedic character. And I don't know if that's the tone that you want. Mm, I I I didn't feel comedy from this. Um, I thought by the end it was you know, for me it was more like mean. what, uh, like what what is this? And then he just got what whated the whole time. So. I don't personally. I don't really classify this as good heel heat. You know, f- throughout the show, they were mentioning that anyone is eligible for the shakeup, and tag teams could be broken up. That made n- there was no explanation on this show why pairs were kept together. Like, if if you're thinking of this as legitimately, like, why would why would Stephanie McMahon only? choose Jey Uso if the option is you can just bring both of them and Andrade and Zelina Vega come as a package so there was there was no separation of tag teams it would make no sense for you to only choose one of them when they come as pairs well you use those rules when it whenever it's convenient I guess and like they were touting this right at the start of the show when they knew they were going this direction and if they do split up a tag team tomorrow that GM looks like an idiot I mean, unless it's a bad ta- tag team. Like, if it's Rude and Gable, I could see one of them being drafted. But it's like, why wouldn't you draft both of them? Because you feel like there's more potential in one guy than, you know, him in being in a tag team. Well, that does wonders for the for the other guy. Yeah. You are not worth the roster space. That happens. Yeah. So, this match began. Uh, Balor got knocked off the apron to the floor after... Andrade used Vega as a shield. He went through the break. Balor landed badly on his knee, so he's selling the knee uh, throughout the match. Uh, Andrade did this cartwheel into this uh, overhead kick, nailing Balor, and then he went for the moonsault, landed on his feet, then went for the standing moonsault, and landed on the knees of Balor. Balor is then trying to hop up to the turnbuckle, can't get up there, hits an enziguri, and then Balor goes to the top, misses with the coup de gras. And then it's Andrade with a spinning elbow, goes for the hammerlock DDT. That's countered with a cradle for a two count. And then Andrade is sent over the top to the floor after two attempts. And then Vega gets onto the apron to block Balor, who runs, leaps over Zelina Vega with a tope con hero, landing onto Andrade. Um, He has the Seth Rollins uh, knee recuperative powers. And then Zelina Vega came off the apron with a Rana, sending Balor into the barricade. He's thrown into the ring. And Andrade hits him with the hammerlock DDT for the win in 10 and a half minutes. I thought it was a really good match and a good debut for Andrade and, and Zelina Vega. Um, it was a more publicized debut than what they had on SmackDown initially. And I think giving him a win over Finn Balor is is immediately kind of, you know, establishes him at a certain, at a pretty high level on Raw, I would say. So, I mean, I would say maybe like, I wish that there was more mention of the IC title belt that Finn Balor has and that, you know, perhaps this uh, is, is, a, is a lead up to him getting a t- uh, Andrade getting a title shot in, uh, against Finn Balor for that title. There was really no mention made of it. And it almost felt like the, the belt was an afterthought, 
when I feel like somebody like Andrade should be stating his claim for wanting a, a belt of that level. So we'll see. I what mean, happens. Cole mentioned it. Cole mentioned it at some point, um, either late in the match or, or right afterward. Uh, just noting the fact he pinned the Intercontinental Champion. So I do feel they'll go that direction. I thought, you know, th- there were a few hiccups, but it was a, a pretty strong match. I thought for for Raw and uh, one of Balor's better matches of late too. So I thought these guys worked really great together, and I, I hope that this is a program coming out of tonight. Yeah. Our second champion to lose tonight, along with the Raw Tag Champion. That's how they know how to book. Yeah, beat your champions, yeah. and there we go. Get a match. Elias was in the ring. He mentioned that it was his music that brought John Cena back to ruin his second WrestleMania and also brought The Undertaker back from the dead. And then he said... I've got questions, but we all know Undertaker doesn't have answers. If you bought a ticket to see him. He says he'll be ready the next time that Undertaker arrives. And then he makes fun of the Montreal Canadiens not making the playoffs. And this did get a lot of heat from the Montreal crowd. They were very upset about this this fact that Elias was reminding them of. And he was interrupted by Rey Mysterio, who came out, cleared the ring of Elias, and Lars Sullivan came out. Mysterio got in a bit of offense, drop kicked him off the apron, and then got in some strikes before he was laid out with the freak accident, and then a running Liger bomb by Jushin Thunder Sullivan. Yeah. I've got to say, Rey Mysterio was, sadly, I think the least impactful move over to Raw on this show. I think that's too bad, because... They see him at a level. It's very clear. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really unfortunate, because I thought... His run on the Indies was really good, and he looked amazing on SmackDown the first few months that he was there. Like, his matches against Andrade were were excellent. Yet, you know, from ever since, I guess, the ankle injury and then him uh, uh, losing to Joe so quickly, which I don't think they're going to follow up on right now. And him, basically... You no, know, obviously not. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Like, Joe's yeah. not coming to Raw. At least that's... There was nothing tonight. I mean, unless they... Yeah. Yeah, do some, again, like tomorrow night if they want to sew up any programs. But yeah, it seems like that's, like, what a what a way to end that feud. I think Lars is actually a, a, a perfect opponent for Ray and vice versa. But I, I mean, I would maybe position that as sort of like his third or second program at least. You know, something to peak for a bigger show like SummerSlam. Really strong babyface in Ray Mysterio and then just this monster in Lars Sullivan. To me, that's just, you know, like your ideal David Goliath scenario. And not something I would do, though, as like a first program for Lars, who you would expect would, would just eat Ray up like, you know, in a squash in, in, in very quick fashion. So I think that's what they want for Lars's first program. And I think especially after Joe beat him so decisively that like I don't really like Mysterio just being put in that role because Lars pretty much has to beat him in that he has like Lars is the dominant monster they are pushing. Uh, at the moment. So, I mean... Yeah, he's going to do the same thing as Joe. And doing it against a Rey Mysterio, who at this point, whose value is just pretty low, I don't think means as much. Uh, unless, you know, it doesn't mean as much as you giving Ray some strong wins for at least a month or two just to build him back up so Lars can, you know, take that value. Yeah, it, it just doesn't feel like Ray is... Uh, you know, he's come in and he had, like, he's putting on some of the best performances in years and it just doesn't feel like he is he is there to be any kind of difference maker he's just kind of in the setup role which Mm -hmm. is unfortunate 
Bobby Roode and Chad Gable came out. Oh, this was the highlight of the night. They're in the ring, and they get keyed as the Usos. Oh, man. Oh, this was such a... I know. God, you ruined it. Uh, Man, not a a mistake you often see in WWE's production. Like, this is a real amateur move and totally, totally ruined... I guess to some, ruined the segment. Yeah. If you were hoping for it to just be surprised. So they cut a promo challenging any team to face them, and boom, the Usos come out for the match. Gable gets Jay's back as the audience is cheering them on. Uh, they put Jay into their corner. Tags are made to Jimmy and Gable, and then uh, Jimmy attacked with a super kick, Samoan drop, and then they hit the double oose, each coming off the top with splashes to pin Gable in 522. So, I mean, at least the theme is clear. With the exception of Rey Mysterio, the guys coming in from SmackDown were put over and fairly strongly as well. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. I I thought um, it the Usos to me are, are like a move that actually feels somewhat significant in this brand split that, you know, overall um, has kind of lessened in terms of importance. But the Usos are a name that, you know, um, have not appeared on Raw, to my knowledge, since the this current incarnation of, of the brand split. So them along with AJ feel like, you know, SmackDown names that are kind of freshened up by an actual move to this show so they felt like big stars here like they got a great reaction at the beginning um it explains why they dropped the titles last week so i i thought it was a good re-debut for them and it it also also being on the same show as roman uh if roman doesn't move to smackdown kind of opens up that the possibility of of that um relationship which that's great that's a great point yeah, yeah. which the, which oh. they not they acknowledge that that Roman reigns was a, a cousin of theirs on this uh episode so i i you know with the shield gone like i think a, tr- a three-man pairing of those three would maybe ultimately be good for all three acts yeah three and people. i mean you could get a nice little run of like six-man tags with those three together that you can take to all the house shows and those would be some hot matches. It'd be good for the Usos. I think it'd be yep. good for Roman because I don't think he'd be as booed as as harshly or, or uh, his matches as singles uh, uh, as a singles wrestler. I think they they continue to be pretty lackluster in my opinion. So I think having him for the Usos paired with him would would help both acts. Next was the moment of bliss with Alexa Bliss and her guest Sami Zayn. And Alexa says this could be her final night on Raw, and she wants to give a proper farewell in French. How many times were we going to go to this well of uh, speaking French here in Montreal? Um, this this seemed like gonna, one too many. You're probably going to get quite a bit of it tomorrow too. It's kind of the the, identi- the identifying you know characteristic of Montreal. Sami Zayn comes out to one of the biggest babyface reactions in. A really long time. Probably since this his was, last one. Well, his debut or something. Well, that was that was four years ago when he debuted. Um, he came out. This place just lost it. It was enormous. He's wearing a Montreal t-shirt. And they just keep playing his music. He is uh, dancing around. And at one point, Corey says he's going to be skanking all over Montreal tonight. And Renee responds, what did you just call me? Oh. He... He then, uh, after playing his theme three times, places just unglued. He says, I'm going to kick it up a notch. And he yells in French to the audience. And he says, it's like fish in a barrel. It's too easy. He then starts doing the Olay chant. That takes off. 
He lists off local spots in the city, but says, I love this city, but I can't stand the people. And this is actually the low part of my week. I don't want to be here. The cheers make me sick. So they turn and they start chanting for Kevin Owens. He says, well, that makes me even sicker. You project your failures and insecurities onto me. Well, I do not accept them. You should all be disgusted. And says, I don't even live here. I live in Florida. And I chose to to leave. And I'm going to leave again. And Alexa tried to defend the people. She seemed to really get like um, tied up uh, and made like the same point like twice. Why? Why is Alexa the baby face here? I have no idea. But this was like her unofficial turn. It felt like. Yeah, because last week she ended off um, like beating the shit out of Bailey, and here she was defending the audience against another heel. It was strange. It almost felt like this. This could have been Charlie Caruso just doing an interview with Sami Zayn, and would have. It just made it very confusing with Alexa. Yeah, kind of in that default role, and Zayn just ended by saying "See you in hell." So I I had two opinions of this segment. Number one was that man, they they crave a baby face to get a reaction like this. And you're watching it knowing they're going to have to fight this crowd. And I've got to say though, Sammy Zane was awesome in this segment. He was tremendous. He was very entertaining. Absolutely. But it was like, man, like you don't get reactions like this too often. And when you finally do, it's like, well, we've got to turn them. Um, but thing you know, is you that- are playing to a long, uh, a larger story here with Sammy Zane. And I think he's been great two weeks in with this character. I think he's been tremendous. He's been interesting, absolutely. You know, we, we don't really have much of an in- indication of who his opponent is going to be. Um, so we await that. Who do and you think? It, well, it um, th- this kind of, like, did you leave this as he is on Raw? Yeah. That's what it felt like, right? Absolutely. Because uh, they had made a thing about him being a free agent, so. What? Yeah. Really? Why would, why would he be a part of the segment then? I thought everybody. Well, this, had, this had happened over the weekend that they met, mentioned the free agent thing with Sami Zayn. He's a so free agent. So I think this agent. was his official uh, raw declaration. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I'll find this exact uh, thing. But yeah, um, that first opponent, um, the you Miz put him with AJ, or is it? Um, okay, it doesn't matter. Whoever. I'm trying to think of baby faces that that you do have on Raw. I mean, maybe Rollins. Maybe 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 Rollins is too. Oh, he's the champion, so he probably won't be getting that. Um, Rollins is high. I don't like Reigns because I, I I feel you don't want to necessarily put Reigns in a position where you could potentially turn the audience on him. And I feel like this could be that kind of a situation potentially. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, it's also visually a very tough program with Sami Zayn against Roman Reigns uh, right off the bat. I, I would maybe go with AJ. Like, I don't see AJ necessarily being in the title program right off the bat. I think you can get to that. He might be someone that the audience is going to be behind, and they should that, have. I think that's fine. Standing matches, but I think it's okay. But I also feel like if you're just moving from a show, shouldn't you be facing somebody? who is not necessarily new to the show. Like, I'd like to see AJ against somebody established on Raw, you know? And then Sammy maybe against somebody who's kind of known for being on Raw. But you're right, it doesn't matter. It's fine. There's not a crazy list of uh, baby faces either. Like Braun. Um, yeah. 
So after that segment, Bailey was on the phone earlier in the day and couldn't get a hold of Sasha Banks and was interrupted by the Iconics, who interrupted her and led to Bailey challenging them to a fight, and she will find a partner. So the Iconics were out, Bailey came out, and her partner is Naomi, who is also moving over to Raw. So the Uso, uh, Jimmy Uso and Naomi are, are staying together on the road. I'm happy for them. So that's nice. Uh, Peyton Royce stopped Naomi, put her into this choke, and then they tried to double-team her. As Naomi stopped the knee strike, Royce got shoved into Bailey, who hit her with the Bailey to belly, and Naomi pinned Billy Kay with a split-legged moonsault in two minutes. They ex- Very quick. Yeah, they explained, uh, they addressed, like, the Sasha Banks situation, kind of, on, on commentary, and Renee just kind of talked about how Sasha was really devastated after losing the belt, and Graves basically says... She quit because she couldn't handle it or something like that. So uh, whatever you believe of of what's going on with her, they are kind of explaining it in storyline. Yeah, because you kind of have to explain her absence and it seems like they're just going that direction with her. So, you know, with Bailey and Naomi beating the champions here, does that mean that they are now officially a team and that they're in line for a title shot? That's how I took it. You don't just beat the champions for no reason. So has Naomi sim- simply t- taken Sasha's role? That's what it felt like on this show, yeah. So they'd be, they'd be the glow and hug connection? Perfect, yeah. Oh, God. I guess so. Naomi's sure. just going to slide right in there and uh, play Sasha Banks. All right. Uh, we got another uh, puppet promo that we believe is Bray Wyatt. And well, let's talk about both of them. There was this first one that aired. that was the same one as last week. And then they had one with this dollhouse, and it pans over to these uh, children's toys, and it reveals this demonic-looking doll that looked like Annabelle uh, with this this freaky laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you took this to be Bray? I mean, certainly. I think, I think both of them are, yeah, Bray. Certainly look the same as, as the other yeah. one. but uh, They're very much stylized in the same kind of tone and presentation, so I think they're both the same character i i really can't say these are being met with the same type of reaction as the initial wyatt family promos which i think to this day are some of some of like the most you know coolest mysterious like really well done uh promo uh teaser videos these just kind of come across like something from uh, from like a high school communications technology class um they feel really cheesy and really dorky EC3 came out. He wanted a challenge. It was Braun Strowman who murdered him in the ring, threw him up the ramp, and then choke slammed him through the stage. And he roared. Yeah, I'm sorry, EC3. If EC3 isn't going to SmackDown, my God, this guy is just dead. I wonder what's up. Like, he's. He, he didn't even get a chance, did not even get a start. I mean, he got a win over Dean Ambrose that one week, and then after that, it was nothing. So I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Well, he lost to him the week after. So that's right. That that ended quickly. But still, it's more than I could say for Eric Young. Oh my God! This guy moved to Raw on a graphic, where you had people online then questioning if it was a mistake, <laughs> because there was nothing to explain. He was moved in a graphic. Yeah, the TNA TNA and away from sanity. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh man. Outside of AJ oh. and Joe, like the 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 TNA um, contingent, not looking too hot, but um, yeah, Sanity's broken up. I, I t- that's what I took kind of this to be. 
Yeah, I assume like Wolf and I, I think it could be good for Wolf and Dane, who can at least be a tag no. team on SmackDown. I think uh, they're I think they're the, your new Primo and Epico. Ugh, I hope not. I mean, there is an open spot now that the Usos have have left SmackDown, uh, and the Hardys need opponents. So I, I would hope Dane and Wolf. I mean, I I think that they're very talented, but man, they've they've had a very rough year. Hmm. Of nothing. And I don't know where Eric Young fits in on Raw. Maybe Fuck. he'll dress up like a doll and be attached to Bray Wyatt. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. It really does make you question, you know, some of these signings and, and why why they were chosen in the first place. Well, I think with Rey Mysterio, it's very clear. It was more so a preventive measure that we don't want him elsewhere. We want him here. Yeah, for for sure. I mean, but is that the case with Eric Young? Well, with listen, I don't, I don't know what their their thoughts were a year ago when they called them up. Like in mm-hmm. execution, there was no plan at all, and I think the same has been with Nikki Cross. Like it seems like there was this opportunity, like, and they that's what kills me are the ones that they don't even get the chance to fail. It's one thing if you throw something against the wall and it doesn't stick and you fall by the wayside when you don't even get the chance to step up to the plate at all. That's got to be the most frustrating. It's a, you're just you're here for no reason, and you could be elsewhere. Does this also mean like names such as you know Nikki Cross, um, what is it, uh, 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 Otis and T- uh, Tucker, and like the the rest of like kind of those classes who didn't appear uh, on or who who weren't exclusive to either show? Does that mean that they're all going to be on SmackDown now? Now that they didn't appear on this show. That's what I presumed coming out of this because all the others, like we had Lacey Evans, we had EC3 on this show, yeah. and who else from that class? Uh, Lars. Um, Lars, yeah. All on Raw. So I'm assuming, yeah, that we'll see the others all on SmackDown. Right. So EC3 was dead. Becky Lynch came out, and this is when we got the graphic updating all the moves, and Eric Young probably found out that he was moving to Raw. And Becky Lynch took on Ruby Riot, another non title match. Uh, Riot got the heat early. Uh, Riot did that trust fall off the turnbuckle for a splash. And then Becky goes for the disarmor, but Riot is pulled to the floor by Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan. And then Lynch just dives off the apron onto both of them, pulls Ruby into the middle, taps her out with the disarmor in 428, and then lays out Morgan and Logan with Beck Sploders after the match. So this is our one champion that did win her non-title match on Monday. Right, yeah. Not a pretty average match. Yeah, nothing, nothing too special. special. It was more so the post-match. So <laughs> this match ends at like three or four minutes past 10 o'clock Eastern time. And Becky would stay in the ring for about 10 minutes before the next. We go to a commercial break and she's still in the ring. We come back. She's still in the ring. We go backstage and Charlie interviews Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and Bobby Lashley. And Corbin hopes that Charlie is going to move to SmackDown. They don't know who the mystery partner is tonight for Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, who is coming over from SmackDown. Drew doesn't care. He just wants his hands on Roman Reigns. And Corbin says he ran Kurt Angle out of WWE. And it ends with Lashley saying that what he did to Dean, who is going to be stupid enough to team up with them? That's what Leo Rush said at the end. Then we finally come back. Becky's just been hanging out in the ring. I hope she brought her phone with her. She stood here for like eight or nine minutes since her match ended. Ah. It's, it gets awkward, yeah. But they turn Me the lights too. off. They turn the lights off sometimes. That kind of makes it less awkward. 
So then Natalia comes out and didn't we go to, we went to another commercial break. We went to another commercial break when Natalia came out. And then when we come back, Natalia congratulates her and has dreamed about main eventing WrestleMania. She said the three of them, meaning Charlotte, Becky and Rhonda turned dreams into reality. And she was very proud of them. Becky was the one, the first one to pin Rhonda and win both women's titles and Natalia says, I'm here to look you in the eye and tell you I'm the best there is, was, and ever will be, and I'm coming after the Raw Women's Championship. Becky can appreciate her being overlooked and underappreciated because she was too. Notes that her and Natty have traveled the world together since they were teenagers, and right as she's about to grant Natalia her wish, Lacey Evans comes out, calling this all adorable. And the Raw Women's title could not go around the waist of a classless has-been like Natalia. And Lacey knows how to use her influence to get what she wants. She's officially on Raw. She wants that title. And the McMahons have decided that Lacey Evans will face Natalia. And the winner will get the Raw women's title match against Becky. And a lady can teach a man a thing or two. So she has the ear of the McMahons. Is that what we're led to believe? That's what she said. She knows how to influence them. Yeah, what does that mean? Uh, It was left for interpretation. Gotcha. Um, I felt like, you know, I, I thought it was a really good, um, uh, pro- uh, challenge babyface promo from Natalia and Becky's comeback. I feel like only received a bit of a mild reaction and I still feel like I'm missing that magic that Becky had a few months ago. I don't know if she, she's cooled off a bit. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously she's already accomplished her goal, so she needs to set a new one and, and it's, her character is not really as interesting having both belts. Um, like she's the underdog. She's the overlooked underdog who, you know, had, had, doesn't have that recognition. Now that she has the belt, I think she has to face a new threat. And I'm not so sure Lacey Evans is that threat. You know, you're going from like basically like a sort of a work shoot program with, with her and Rhonda and Charlotte to like a real character in Lacey Evans, almost a cartoon character in Lacey Evans. And how, how is that going to mix with the current Becky Lynch, you know, character that I think so many people were were so interested in because she felt real. I'm not as down on this Lacey Evans character. Like it is a big adjustment when you're going from Rhonda and Charlotte. And that's the reason why I feel Lacey could really benefit from having a program or two before you're racing her to the the title program. Like your options are you either put the title on her way too early. And I think that'd be a giant mistake with Becky just having won this. I could see that happening. Yeah. I think that that's man. I'm not a big fan of that. And I also don't feel late, like Lacey Evans could become something and you don't want to have her just lose either. So like I could have really used Evans and Natalia feuding for a month. Um, Absolutely. I, I'm more I think than that. That would have really helped her and doing all the house shows with Natalia. Like Lacey needs time to develop. Like she is not uh, one of the upper echelon women in terms of in ring. I would say a year would be great for her. Of just working with you know like your Ruby Riot and and people of that of that level before get, giving her a title program, but like they, realistically, she never should have been called up in January. She should have been in NXT in a meaningful program, doing all the NXT live events, finishing up at Takeover, and then comes in here and then goes into a Natalia program. And if you're really fast tracking her, like SummerSlam, you know what I mean? That to me is fast tracking her. Mm-hmm. Um. Instead, it's like she's just been doing these walk-ins since January. Um, Like, she really hasn't been doing much wrestling since since the Royal Rumble. 
Yeah. And it's like I, I just think it was way too early of a call up where, again, it was a snap decision with no long term view. And she was she was not figured into WrestleMania. She had no need to be doing all of this. And now is when you could be introducing her and doing the walk ins like Becky can have opponents. There are opponents you can keep her busy with in meaningful uh, programs yeah. and and build up to Lacey like they obviously see a lot in her. Give her the best opportunity to, to succeed. I feel like this year more than most has really, again, like exposed this, like a lot of weird kind of kinks in this relationship between the WWE and NXT uh, and, and, and these call-ups like between that initial January class, seeing where all of them have gone to this point, And then also Gargano and Ciampa and how those really affected NXT plans uh, at one time, even just to like, I would say like, the pretty weird handling of Gar- uh, Ricochet and Black, um, uh, like just having them on uh, on TV leading up to this, to I think what we saw today with with the Viking experience, it's it it all kind of highlights something that seems wrong and seems like it needs to be improved between uh, the communication of of what Vince wants and what they're doing in NXT. It's like one has their long term planning is four to six months and another's long-term planning is what are we going to put on in the third hour? Four to six hours. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, like where, imagine if Gargano and Ciampa had gone through, like where oh, would they be right be now? Terrible. They would have been on, they would have been on the main roster this whole time leading up to this match at takeover that Gargano was going to win. And now what? Like they, they're on TV now. Like what, how would that have worked? I don't know if that match would have been for the title, but uh, I guess it would have to be. You're right. I don't. I have no idea. Who knows? I think that takes all the steam out of it. If you had Champa lose the title in the in the buildup, I mean, it was already mid February by the time kind of the you know Champa started to really feel the effects of. I guess it was like early March. The news came out, like they weren't going to drop the title in those four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just don't know how that would have worked if you had had Gargano and Champa who were teaming on the main roster. And building up to this takeover match, and now Gargano is champion, and he's still on the main roster as well. Like it would have just been a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're Johnny Gargano, I'm, I'm sure you're pretty happy being where you are right now and not being a part of all this. Charlie interviewed Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins outside of their locker room, and Reigns explains that they're gonna have to wait to find out who their third man is. And then the door opens up behind them, and you can't really get a, a a view of who it was, but it definitely didn't look intentional. Uh, I, I missed that, actually. Oh, did we, did we, we go back and watch this? Like, the door opens, and Rollins seems very, like, he's just trying to play it off, like, um, that someone almost just walked out of their room and then realized they're doing a live shot. Oh, I don't know. Did we uh, mention the finish of the Lacey Evans-Natalia match? No, I skipped over the entire match. Um, Renee is also now anti-Lacey Evans after being her biggest fan on commentary during all those walkouts. She now is against her. Um, They explained she was a U.S. Marine for five years. Uh, Natalia slipped as she did the spot where she ran over Evans' back and then tossed her to the floor. They went through the commercial. Uh, Evans then blocked the sharpshooter, and they went to the floor. Evans runs her into the turnbuckle face first, and then Natalia lands a discus clothesline, goes for another sharpshooter. This time she applies it, which Graves notes, I wouldn't do that in Montreal. 
and Evans fights to the rope, gets the break, and then they go to the floor. Natalia slaps her, returns to the ring, and gets nailed with the woman's right. The crowd is dead for this, I should add. Evans climbs to the top and does a spinning moonsault off the top, lands it, um, and by lands, I mean her knees completely landed on top of Natalia, and oh my god, Natalia looked like in the greatest of pain here. Yeah. Uh, and Evans pinned her in eight and a half minutes. Yeah, I mean, as an acrobatic feat, I think the moonsault looks nice. The landing um, was terrible. Yeah, pretty bad. Um, but I feel like, uh, you know, like to the untrained eye, she'll have come across like, oh, okay, like that moonsault looked impressive. The right hand looks impressive. But man, the rest of it was just, it felt like, you know, she was born of the same illustrious mold as a Baron Corbin or a Jinder Mahal that half Nelson chin lock or Cobra clutch thing that they have all these people do. She's got it too. So man, the match didn't get a good reaction from this audience. Um, I, I think she certainly has a lot of potential. I can see what they see in her, a former Marine. She's tall. She's blonde. She can talk. Vince McMahon's dream woman. I totally understand it, but I think a title program against the hottest, like your WrestleMania main eventer in Becky Lynch right now is a bit too much too soon. It's also the post-WrestleMania first opponent for a champion you've been building up for so long. Like, that's a really tough program because already, like, you've just started the championship reign of someone you've been building for so long. I just think that it's it's fine. Like, whether you feel this woman is going to be, like, in 18 months, maybe she's going to be tremendous. But at least put them in the best possible scenario. And I just think they're putting everything against her that it's going to be so hard for her to succeed just given like the way of which she's she's being handled and putting it, put her into this spot like if they were to put the title on her in a month man i just think that that's such a snap judgment that ultimately you're going to realize in 6 months it was way too early and you're going to have damaged her so i mean you you keep an open mind but it mm. just seems that if you want to make this woman into one of your big female stars, um, I, I, I would be putting a lot more effort and time into building up to that moment rather than just, boom, we're doing it immediately on our timetable. We're already getting like a tempered version of this build because wasn't the rumor that she was going to face Asuka at, at WrestleMania? That was an idea that was uh, toyed around at one point. Um but I, I think by man, I'm trying to remember. Like just I would say even, by like, just even the thought of it, I think is yeah. It was definitely thought about. Yeah, at one point. Um. Then we had the interview backstage uh, with Reigns and Rollins, and the main event featured Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, and Bobby Lashley taking on Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and coming over to Raw, AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. Part of me wanted you know somebody like AJ to like permanently stay on SmackDown, just kind of like. He's got the whole catchphrase, of course, but I also feel like there's something cool about having like one guy stay on one show for like the entirety of his run. Um, but whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Freshens AJ up a, a little bit. The face that was evicted from the place. Yeah, it doesn't really ring as catchy. Uh, Graves jokes about the record ratings that Baron Corbin sent, set when he was general manager and all the announcers had a laugh about huh. That's ridiculous. We all know our ratings have tanked. Uh, they build up to a Styles hot tag, 
He hits a Pele kick to Lashley and Corbin. Then, t- first of all, can we just talk about the, the recuperative powers of AJ Styles? What do you mean? So, after WrestleMania, like, people had seen him in the airport, like, slowly getting around. Like, he had, it was his SI joint that he had, um, he had hurt uh, coming out of WrestleMania. That's why he wasn't at SmackDown last week. And he did this update uh, talking about the injury last week. Um, and he came in, like, he did, like, all his big stuff in this match. Like, he could have taken it a lot easier in a six-man. And he, like, went all out in this. Impressive. Yeah. I mean, sure. Very impressive. I, I, I thought it was very impressive. So he goes to the Styles Clash to Lashley, but it's stopped by a Claymore kick. And then Reigns comes in and goes for a Superman punch and ends up hitting an overhead suplex. Corbin slides to the floor, gets hit by the drive-by and a Rollins suicide dive. Then Leo Rush gets kicked away from AJ, who goes for the phenomenal forearm, but gets caught by Lashley, who hits his uh, his Stormbreaker tribute. And as he goes for the pin, Rollins hits the stomp, Reigns hits the spear, and Styles hits the phenomenal forearm all onto Bobby Lashley at 12 minutes, 47 seconds. Uh, they really piled on Lashley here. So um, I don't know what that means, but he takes the fall here and... AJ gets his big victory in his raw debut, and that ended the show. I certainly see like wanting one, one of the three of this heel group here making the move to to SmackDown. And I mean, Lashley seems as good of a candidate as any of them. Uh, I could see any any three of them really. Um, I thought it was like a pretty standard match with like a really good fast finish. Um, you know, AJ Styles is on Raw. Overall, I thought this Raw. Uh, didn't feel all that special to me. Um, we got names, moved to a different show. And beyond that, I would just say, I don't know, just a bit of the same old that we usually see. I, I think that they injected some some good additions to Raw. I think AJ, it's it's fresh matches. I think the Usos going over. I like that. Um, I thought the show moved well. I really enjoyed that Sami Zayn segment. Um, that was a lot of fun. I like the Balor and Andrade match a lot. Um, yeah, there. there I, I guess I was. Uh, I wasn't as down on this show, but in in going over the show, there was a lot that you can certainly scratch your head over. Um, and yeah, I, I will say the positive, um, with the exception of Rey Mysterio, I thought that the the moves to Raw they got them off on a on a pretty good foot, just with um, coming over, getting them some wins, and hopefully having some direction in mind for all these people. Yeah, they didn't screw them up, which I think is is a positive uh, on the first night. So it's fine. I, I, I guess I just like, I look at a typical edition of Raw and then I look at an edition of SmackDown and for whatever reason, like immediately, I see like an AJ Styles in the mix with like this fucking trio of uh, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley and Baron Corbin and he automatically feels like, less special to me than on SmackDown. So, uh, man, prove me wrong, Raw. Like, I I want Raw to be good this year because last year it was tough. So we'll see what, what other changes they make on SmackDown. And uh, we either get maybe an improvement to it or maybe the, it'll tank SmackDown as well. So uh, we, we wait. After the show went off the air, uh, Reigns and Rollins brought out Dean Ambrose uh, to address the crowd in Montreal. 
And I think also worth noting is who did not show up on Raw, meaning that they're staying on SmackDown. That included all of the New Day, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, Charlotte Flair, and Kevin Owens, who I think this crowd really wanted to see on Monday night. And I guess they're saving that uh, for Tuesday and splitting up Zayn and Owens, who in theory will be on separate shows as well. Do you have any predictions on who, on who makes the jump? I, I definitely felt like Lashley is kind of was wrapped up here in this in this main event, so that seems like a a possibility uh, mm-hmm. to go over. Do, do you, you see them uh, splitting up Reigns and Rollins, or do you see them like I I, I kind of feel they're both going to end up on Raw. I don't see. I, do I guess who, what major names do you see moving over to uh, to SmackDown, I, I, if any? I questioned if Finn Balor would make the jump just because he's like, you know, like AJ has, has stayed on one show pretty much this entire time. But at the same time, I mean, if if they are going to continue that uh, program that he might have began today against um, Andrade, then he would have to stay, wouldn't he? Um, trying to think what other names on, you know, like I could see a Braun Strowman perhaps making the jump. Um, did, but he started something with uh, EC3 today, didn't he? I don't think that was a program at all. What am I saying? I, I don't even know if that was the start of something versus just a segment to keep yeah. Braun on the show. I feel like I could see Braun, especially if you have Lars Sullivan already on Raw. They're too much of the same character. Um, uh, tag teams, I could see uh, pretty much any of them go. What about Brock? Does he even count? I don't think Brock will. Oh, but you are like moving every, every, everything for Sma- uh, Fox, aren't you? For um, Fox, and I mean, he could be figured in for something if he's doing the Saudi Arabia show. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brock like that jumping could be their big, their big move. But to me, Brock jumping to any brand really is is meaningless because he's so infrequent anyway. So it, he's certainly not a name you would be able to count on week to week. Um, like you can argue that SmackDown already by this point has enough like stars. I, I guess you would say to carry the show. Um, between you know, Kofi feels very hot right now. Um, I guess they'll have to kind of build build up some other names. But do you think SmackDown has a deep enough roster, or do they need some like an A lister on the level of a Roman to kind of really add to that? Um, I guess it it wouldn't completely shock me if they if they moved Roman. Um, I don't see Seth moving. Um, so. Yeah, it w- it would not shock me if they if they moved Roman over for the simple fact that you do want to get this guy into a top position, and I think you also want to get a bit of a run out of Seth as champion. And not to say you can't do that match; you could do it at some point. Um, but him going over, there's certainly a- an opening there to hmm. to put him on to to SmackDown. So it wouldn't shock me if they moved him. That could be the biggest name. It looks like Becky; they're just going to have on both shows. So you'll have to address that at some point if she loses one of the titles or what you're going to do. It's probably just making it up as you go along. And yeah. and I guess the Iconics are doing the same thing. Those are the two champions that can go back and forth. Yeah, and if Bailey is going to maintain a team with Naomi, then I guess she stays. Uh, Sasha, we we don't know anything about right now. Um, that's kind of I it. guess we should also just mention some of the injuries that are also um, kind of in, in the midst of all this. Uh, Big E just recently suffered a, a torn meniscus. So he is, I think it's not like a super long time that he's going to be gone. Nia Jax, though, has torn her ACL in both knees and had apparently been working with this for some time to get through WrestleMania. So she will be out a long, long time. Mm. 
Well, and, yeah, that's uh, a tough one. And as well, um, Daniel Bryan is apparently dealing with some kind of injury, but there's been uh, really no specifics reported on it other than he's he's dealing with something. So maybe there will be some more light shed on that on Tuesday night or later this week because um, if it's something small, it's whatever. But if it was something more, um, then that's that's a big hole to fill on SmackDown because um, that's the lead heel position. Yeah. All right. Should we move over to feedback? Let's do it. All right. Uh, forum.postwrestling.com is where you can go and get all your latest news. Uh, tonight's poll on a scale of one to 10. What was everyone's rating for tonight? Wait, what was yours? I would say about five. 5.59 from the forum. We start off with Jay from Colorado. On Friday, I decided to purchase a couple hundred bucks of WWE stock because I was hopeful for the future of the company after WrestleMania. Tomorrow morning, I will be selling those stocks because I have zero confidence in leadership who thinks the Viking experience is a fitting replacement for War Raiders. I hope this guy calls into the next earnings report. And why rename them Eric and Ivor? God help the Velveteen Dream when he gets called up. He'll just be called Purple Sleep. Kyrie Sane will be renamed Girl Pirate Karen. And Matt Riddle will become Stoner Brian. Oh, man. Hey, any call-ups tomorrow from NXT? What about that prediction? Yeah. um, Again, I feel like it's sort of a tough time because they already have a class of call-ups that they need to work to establish. But then again, they brought up the the Viking experience today on this episode. Uh, You know, if it's anybody, I guess it would be uh, Sane and Shirai. Hmm. But then, or at least sane, one of them. Yeah, but then you'll also be throwing weird curveballs, and they might just call up like, uh, I don't know, uh, Aaliyah, Eric Bugenhagen. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's whoever kind of you know Vince sees something in, and it could be anybody. There's no way Jose going to move to SmackDown. I cannot even say 100. percent I know if he's on Raw or SmackDown to begin with. By the I'm way, are, are, are there like the untelevised call-ups that they? Typically they didn't announce do. them tonight. They typically did. They do that last year, where on the Wednesday they move people on the website. I I think so. Maybe maybe I'm checking. Right I guess now. if they're doing it, they'll announce that tomorrow. Because yeah, I was actually paying attention to that tonight, but they didn't say anything. Right. Okay. Yeah. Nothing right now. It seems. All right. Uh, we go up next to Paul from New Jersey, who says, "Holy chili McFreeze fuckaroni! The Viking experience. I hundred percent guarantee that was a Vince McMahon call. He probably came up with it at 3.45 a.m. while overtraining, completely sleep-deprived. He can bury a tag team like no other. Positives are that Andrade and Vega are really cool. Becky Lynch is still mega over. It's great. She and Ruby complement each other well. Billy Kay's off- offense looked crisp. And Natalia had a solid promo, and I think a move to Raw will help Naomi. The women were the most compelling thing on the show tonight. Still, I cannot get the bad taste of the Viking experience out of my mouth. A five. Next up is MJ. Is SmackDown in Montreal? Because why else leave Kevin Owens off this show? Well, I mean, he's obviously going to be it on is in, SmackDown. It is in Montreal. Yeah, it is in Montreal. Yeah, yeah so. that's what he's asking. I mean, I, I I, kind of understand that, separating the two. They got a huge reaction for Sami Zayn. So, um, anyway... That Sammy introduction was as fun as it gets watching Raw. They shouldn't have had him cut a heel promo, though. Should have gone the route of Brian in Seattle. Or Kevin Owens could come out. But still, so fun. I heard a lot about continuity this week, as in Vince wants continuity. 
So what do we think of the NXT Tag Champions being called up? And what awful continuity will there be to explain it? Stop messing with NXT. He wants us to rank Eva Marie, Kelly Kelly, and Lacey Evans. I feel like Lacey is probably the top of the that ranking, I would say. Um, I haven't really seen enough of Eva Marie to be able, able to like even say. So... She had some very good presence. They did one match with her against Bailey on NXT where I thought it was like a really fun match because the audience was petrified that this was like Bailey at her absolute popularity peak oh, in yeah. NXT and that Eva Marie like the company was going to take this title away from Bailey and put it on their project Eva Marie and it ended up being like this awesome television match just for the crowd reactions. So to me that um, that's more uh, like of an indictment on on how great the booking is and how smart the booking is and even the crowd rather than Eva Marie. I I put Eva Marie still ahead of Kelly Kelly. Yeah, sure. Uh okay, we go to Chris from Queensland, Australia. <laughs> uh the fact, if the fact that your NXT tag team champions were ca- called up to Raw without their belts wasn't a better sign of Vince not knowing or caring what NXT does, I don't know what is. Also, Eric Young being removed from from Sanity via a screen card capped off a horrible first year on the main roster for both him and Sanity. I'm not looking forward to SmackDown tomorrow. A three out of ten. Sean from Toronto. The hero's reception for Sami Zayn was probably the best segment on Raw for quite some time. The rest of the show, I can give or take. As I try to comprehend why WWE Creative thinks the Viking experience is a better name than the War Raiders. On a side note, I do admit that the new Bray Wyatt vignettes are effectively creepy, even though I have no idea how they relate to his revamped character. We get Eric from Savage who says, I was watching Raw while trying to get my one-year-old daughter to sleep. I was hopeful that this episode would be better than the lackluster Raw after Mania we got last week. I enjoyed the opening segment with Shane and Miz. And then we got the eight-man tag. War Machine was introduced as the Viking experience, and I literally shut it off. I couldn't watch anymore. First off, these guys get no advanced promos introducing people to who they are, and then they get one of the stupidest names I can never remember. I'm someone who has watched these guys in the ROH Top Prospect Tournament, and I've been following them ever since. I just can't believe the lack of care and outright stupidity of the booking here. I thought changing their name to War Raiders was bad enough, but that was apparently just the beginning. I feel as though most guys coming through the system will now peak in NXT, and that's just sad. It's startling to see the contrast between the opening match at TakeOver where War Machine was so hot to now where there will likely be the next ascension. Anyway, sorry to be so grumpy, but I want things to be better. Venting helps. We continue with... Sorry, I lost my spot here. Mike from Minnesota. Viking experience. What is the point of NXT if Vince is just going to bury everyone the second they walk through the door? Does anyone think Cedric will be anything more than Apollo Crews? The best part of tonight was the crowd. Not sure I like any of the creative at the moment. I hope I'm wrong. Alex from Maple. Not great. Expected more. Viking experience sounds like a name an old man came up with. Natalia is boring and sucks on the mic. Horrible no heat match with Lacey. Seeing AJ was cool and Sammy had a strong segment. Overall, though, not as much happened as I thought. No Charlotte or Asuka. Only Naomi, who is basically a jobber anyway. Commentary was at an all-time worse. Had to mute Graves and Renee. They need to go away. Jalen from Pickering. I don't know what's funnier, Bray's vignettes or Raw's main event scene. Just because your heels are big doesn't excuse them from being boring and poorly booked. Hopefully Bray's vignettes are alluding to him being a figurative puppet master, but I expect the worst from this character. 
<laughs> a lot of optimism in our feedback tonight. I fear for SmackDown's main event scene. Unless they move Roman, I don't know who they get to replace AJ and Miz. If it's Braun, a.k.a. the new Ryback, then Raw can keep him. Ari, live from Montreal, who says, oh. Well, I have to admit going live was pretty enjoyable. The crowd seemed to be into most of the night. I was so ex- excited to see the war... I mean, the Viking experience. When the name came up, the crowd was confused. And it was really the only downer. And people genuinely were confused. Were the heels or faces? And what the fuck is going on with production tonight? My brother said it was like a 2000 WCW Nitro. They ruined the Uso surprise. And I guess someone didn't get the memo to not open the door during Rollins and Reigns promo. Zayn could have gone all night and the crowd would have still chanted. His heel work was masterful and got the crowd to turn on him in a second. I guess you don't fuck with the Habs, as Elias found out. Finally, the dark segment Ambrose came out and said the crowd is why they always come to Canada so often. Question, was it me or is it Eric Young on Raw? No, yep, he is. He is there. Brandon from New Jersey. My dearest Le Habitant. Hey, c'est moi. Encore une minute. Comment est mon français? Been a while since we last spoke. I mean, feels like we bumped into each other somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. Hmm. Anywho, the foundations were shaken as lives were put in jeopardy during tonight's episode. It was a fun episode from Lacey Evans getting that championship rub to EC3 being thrown into oblivion and OVW. I wonder what is next on SmackDown. Some meanderings. Is it me, or did Andrade look a little sluggish from his adventures in the DR with Los Ingobernables de Charlotte? Felt gutted for Eric and Ybor City with the lame name change to the new podcast coming to WWE Network, The Viking Experience. What was wrong with War Raiders? It's 9 p.m. No kids are watching. My apologies to MJ in NJ. Okay. You're done? Way did your opinion change of me when we crossed paths in person? Is his final question. Um, I I've always had a very strong opinion of you. Um, was Brandon. it confirmed? Um, yeah. I I won't lie. When he revealed who he was on stage, because I didn't know what this guy looked like, I was like, "Oh my god, Brandon from New Jersey!" I was excited to meet this guy. Yeah, yeah, me too. I was disappointed he didn't reveal himself during the show, but uh. It's okay. It's okay. I like We're the fact that he kept the character going. Like he did the Rey Mysterio pose with his uh, hand on his face. That's right. Yes. Identity protected. Yeah. All right. We go to uh, uh, Colby who says only WWE could completely change a team's name and get the old name trending on Twitter. I didn't think it was a bad show, at least by raw standards, but it left a lot to be desired. I felt the Balor experience and the Andrade experience had a really good match, but that could be because it was fresh and not Finn Corbin or Finn Lashley for the 568th time. I'm also really enjoying the heel Sami Zayn experience, as it's the first moment of bliss I didn't want to turn off right away. The Lacey experience still has a long way to go before being just even okay in the ring. Finally, the main event was okay when the Shield Club experience defeated the mid-card experience. I'll stop now, even though Vince might not. Overall, 7 out of 10 show for me. Side note, pretty sure the Viking experience was the name of an exhibit I saw on a 6th grade field trip. And finally, from Dubs, just got back from the show with my bro, was visiting from Alberta. We both enjoyed our first TV event. It was fun for the first two hours, but we were both more than ready to leave by the end. All in all, fun, experience, but long. Two hours would have been prime. Yes. All right. Okay. 
Man, so people did not like this name change. Am I getting this right? I think you're correct in that assessment. Okay, I got that tone. I just wanted to double check with you. Well, uh, tomorrow night we are back after SmackDown. What will happen? Lots of questions to answer. So we'll be back on Tuesday night, and then we'll be back on Wednesday night with the double shot. We'll be on the Cafe Hangout on Thursday, and then we're reviewing PWG on Friday. I have successfully gotten way to talk to me every single day and then invite me over to his place on the weekend. God. Um, you, well, you really are the Eric to my Evor. Yeah, I hope you had a great experience. The Viting experience. Oh, God. All righty. It's, it's getting late, everybody. It is. I, uh, I need to catch up on some sleep. Uh, that is all. Uh, my final story for you, Way. I got a I got a book in the mail today. Uh, Al Snow has a new book that has come out called Self Help, and I got a I guess a review copy, and it was sent to my address. I get it, Self Help, because he used to write help on his forehead. Yeah, and it's like I think it's kind of clever because it's like, oh, check out my Self Help book. Yes, yes. But what's okay. really funny is that it was addressed to my address, but. Not to me. It was addressed to Lance Storm. What? Oh, they boy. had my, they had his name with my address. So I don't know if this book was meant for Lance Storm and they sent it to my address, <laughs> or it was my address and they just got the name confused with someone else. So Some, I, I'm hoping Lance Storm receives the same book and it's addressed to John Pollock. In dealing with uh, a lot of mail this week, I know how easy it is to screw up a spreadsheet with a bunch of addresses and a bunch of names, and just having one of those items shift up the wrong way would be chaotic. So uh, maybe somewhere out there, somebody has a John Pahalik book uh, addressed to them. Okay. It's, uh, was it personalized? Yeah. No, no, it was not personalized. That would, that would have been funny if uh, Al put in a nice book. To my, to my former ECW and WWE colleague... Lance, um, but no, no, me, me and Lance, I'm sure get confused all the time. The two of us, uh, that's it. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Of course, you can go to postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com, and thank Way for all his hard work, uh, even if you didn't get a high chew in the mail. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.